Today's Bible reading comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see you all. Uh, More and more of you here every week. That's wonderful. And to those that are on live stream, wonderful that you can continue to gather with us as well. Please do have that open in front of you, Romans chapter 12. Uh, We're going to explore that together through this theme of loving community. And just to echo what Andrew was saying before, um, it is a joy for us to be part of this community together, to be, obviously I'm one of the pastors, I'm that Matt guy who we referred to. Um, And yes, it is wonderful to be here and to serve you and um, our door is always open, if that means by phone or you physically come in, whatever it may be. But uh, we long to see this community flourish together. Before we look at this passage though, Uh, I'm going to pray. So please do pray with me. Our good, our gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We always thank you for your word. And as we come to it this morning, I pray that you speak powerfully through me, that my words will be yours, that you'll be working powerfully amongst us by your spirit to grow us into likeness of Christ, that we'll be inspired to live out this loving community which you've called us to. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm sure many of you will agree, and it's certainly been my experience, many people I've spoken to, but across this last two years has been some of the most formative and significant times of our life. There have certainly been many times throughout it, but as a collective society, this has been a very significant moment for us, hasn't it? Uh, In many ways, the COVID pandemic has shaped the way we live, right? The way that we work, the way we interact with one another, uh, the way that we've done schooling. Uh, for heaps of you parents, you're like, yes, get to send them back to school, I'm sure. Um, for those kindy kids, getting to go is great. But the COVID pandemic has touched so many parts of our lives, hasn't it? And throughout it all, what has been the thing that's kind of impacted you the most? Or what is the thing that you've noticed other people will be, speak about? The, thing that, the times that has affected us greatly. I think for most of us, we'd say the lockdown. Amongst it all, there's been freedoms that are taken away, but particularly the lockdown. I think like even hearing that word, it makes me kind of shudder a little bit, that that feeling of lockdown. But the thing about it was that our community was taken away from us. Being able to interact with people was gone. We were reduced to the digital world and like the, the figurant of our imagination about when we could see people in the past, looking forward to it again. And we really felt it, didn't we? 
we felt that our community wasn't around. We felt the absence of a hug. We felt the absence of like a loving word of affirmation as someone looks into your eyes with love and care. We felt the absence of being able to have a coffee with someone and sit with them, having people over to your home, a dinner. And we felt really disconnected. As a society, we long to be connected with others. Now, one of the kind of catchphrases that came out of lockdowns was people would often say along the lines of, it helped me to see what was important in life. It helped us to see what was uh, the important things. And typically, not always, but typically those things centered on people, on community, on the need to be and, and the love to be with one another, friends, family, the society at large. Life without community is hard. And even for us who are introverted and really in, in perhaps enjoyed elements of lockdown, like we wanted to be back together. We long, we need to feel like we have a place to belong, a people to belong to. Like a real small example of this is like Craft, which meets on a Thursday, came, came back, it was on at the back end of last year. And speaking to a number of people there, say, oh, how are you going? How's Craft? And how is it to being back? Almost all of them would say something along the lines of, it was so good to be back together. The craft is nice, yeah, the craft's good, but it was about being together. And I think for all of us, we, we longed for that, we felt it, to be part of community. Now, this need didn't just happen because of COVID, right? It wasn't just a, a, a thing that was produced. It's not just a symptom of COVID. It just vividly brought to life what was already within us or was always and already there. That need for community. Now, some of us have been feeling that for years. Some of us feel incredibly lonely. Some of us feel that sense of neglect, or we might feel a bit transient, not rooted in a place where we feel like we can belong. All of us, humans, have a great need for community and a sense of belonging. Now, that need actually extends all the way back to creation to how God created humans, how he has created us. In the creation narrative of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, God, he looked at humans at the time. He looked at Adam, the first human, and said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God, he creates a companion. He creates a person, a woman, a person to rule with him in creation, a person who he can be united to who he can be fruitful with and multiply to then build this community with. Right at the outset of our creation, of our inception, we are intended, we are designed for community. Food for eating, cars for driving, people for community. Now there's more to us than that. We're creative relationship with God as well, primarily, but humans for community. Now as we know in that Genesis narrative, it all goes pretty south after that, doesn't it? They sin, they rebel against God, they break that relationship with God, and then we see the outworking of that for the next books, right? The next many chapters. The very verse, the very next chapter after is murder comes into the world. There's this downward cycle of violence. The relationship that is meant to be had in community is broken. And then God, throughout the Bible, has been on this mission, or he's been telling us of this mission to redeem the world, people back to himself and back to one another, to create a new humanity. And ultimately, 
We know that mission, it climaxes in the person of Jesus. Through Jesus' life, through his death, through his resurrection, he made a way for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed, and for a new humanity to be born. And if you cast your mind back two weeks ago to when Andrew was preaching on this series, uh, Together in Christ, which was the first one, he was showing to us through the book of Ephesians that we are, or for those who have faith, are now a new creation. We have identity as being in Christ. And that identity of being in Christ actually becomes the bedrock of our loving community. Because as we become united to Christ, we become united to each other. We are all connected to one another because we are connected to Christ. Like leaves on a tree. You look at a leaf on the tree, it's part of the tree, but it's all the leaves are united together, connected to one another. Now, as we had read before, uh, Romans 12. Now, Romans 12, it's like kind of in the back end of, of the book of Romans. And as we kind of had it read, it kind of felt like a bit of a bombardment of ethics, right? I don't know if it feels like one after the other, bang, bang, bang. If you look on the back of your sermon outline, I put, I just broke up the passage and there's 20 things that Paul has just gone boop, 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 all on. And what Paul has done is through the first 11 chapters of, of Romans is he's been telling about that story of God, story, story about how we were dead, and now alive, and how in Christ a new family has been born. We have this new identity, and then he gets to 12 to 15, and he says, this is how we now live it out. Having unpacked a theology of what it means to be a part of God's family, you are saved, this is now who you are, you're part of the family of God, Romans 12 and beyond, live it out. And that's what we're about to jump into. And so as we look at Romans chapter 12, I think a a helpful way for us to think of it in the context of this sermon is that all these verses are kind of painting a picture for us, a picture of loving community. All those 20 things are kind of like all little puzzle pieces that come together to form this beautiful image of what community uh, can be and should be like. Now, as we look at it, there isn't a great deal of organization that goes with these verses. There's a little bit um, uh, of way we could do it. But there's a definite key theme, one key overarching principle, and that is love. Love is the big overarching thing which underpins and headlines all of these uh, ethics. For the Christian, we are defined by loving, defined by loving God and defined by loving others. We see it everywhere throughout the New Testament. We see it in the teaching of Jesus. And then we see the apostles and the way they wrote their letters was often centered on love. And that all extends from Jesus, right? In Jesus 13, John chapter 13, he said to his disciples, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then throughout the letters, it just all goes back to that. To just drop a couple more, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul again in Colossians, he's saying all these beautiful virtues, which I won't go into, but all these wonderful virtues about the way that we relate to one another, but they all center on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Why? Because this is the way of Jesus. 
This is how that he's created us to be. And this chapter, Romans chapter 12, is creating a picture of what that community is like. If you're into Twitter, Paul is like kind of like tweeting 20 things, boop, 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 loves on the mind. This is the community that is created. Now, the first kind of principle I want to, want to draw out from this for us is that loving community is demonstrated on authentic love, authentic love for one another, a love that is genuine. In verse 9, it said that uh, love is to be sincere. And when it's authentic, it's not expecting something in return. It's a love. It doesn't have ulterior motives. I love you so you can do something for me. It's not about that uh, at all. Now, when you think of something that's authentic, what do you, what do you think of? Like, I, I think of um, fashion. Now, I'm not a fashion person at all. Elizabeth buys all my clothes, almost. Um, but I remember going to Indonesia, been on a couple uh, mission trips there, and there's these often pop-up stalls that have uh, football jerseys and basketball jerseys. And, you know, being a, a young kid when I went there the first time, I got excited. Oh, look at all these really cheap jerseys. This is amazing. But you get in there, and they're actually fake. They're not authentic. They're not real. The material is not quite right. The badge is a bit skewed. It doesn't have really the, the, the right uh, logo. They're a hoax. Now, when someone is authentic and sincere, there is no manipulating. There's no false screen that's going on. The love that is screamed throughout all of these uh, ethics is to be authentic. People who are sincere. If you just have a look through, it's devoted to one another. Joyful, patient, faithful, not repaying evil for evil. Right? There is no ulterior motive. It is real. It is unquestioned. And the aspect of being uh, authentic is that it doesn't wear out. It's enduring. Love of this nature is enduring. Now, we don't get it in the English, but when you read it through in the Greek, there's this term called it's present continuous, which just means these things are happening in the present all of the time. It's not something that you just do in the past. It's not something that you just do in the present or a one-off. These things we are doing all the time, continuously. Now, to just pick up on one of the things, it'd be great to go through all of them, but just we'll pick up on one, which is verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above uh, yourselves. To be devoted to one another is to never give up to always have them as your concern. Devoted people keep on loving, they keep on supporting, they keep on giving, no matter the situation, no matter the cost. All right, you know those Canterbury Bulldog supporters? Any Canterbury Bulldog supporters here? Not owning up to it, I understand. Yeah, it's got one. But they are devoted at the moment. You know how we know they're devoted? Because their team is horrible. But they still go to the games, right? They still wear the jersey when it's raining. They're out there when they're versing the Roosters, which is clearly the best team, and they know they're going to lose. They still go, right? They're devoted. That's what we are to be about. Love for one another doesn't just stop when we feel like it. It doesn't stop if we don't get something in return. It doesn't not happen because of some circumstance. We are always to be devoted, always committed. And isn't that just a beautiful, comforting and securing thing? There is no fear in that. 
Because when we're part of a Christian community that's devoted to one another, we know we'll be supported. We'll know we'll be cared for. We know we'll be forgiven. We know we'll be shown grace. That's authentic. That's enduring, sincere love. And a loving community will always demonstrate that. The other really significant thing about all of these verses is that they have a real outward focus. Loving community is always other person directed. If you just cast your eye over the verses again, so many of them just have a direct intentional concern for another person. Again, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Sharing with those in need. Practicing hospitality. Faithful in prayer. Rejoicing and mourning with others. Living in harmony. Not pride in self, but associating with others in a lower position. These are all practical applications of an outward love and a care that is beyond you to another person. Humble and sacrificial like the Lord Jesus. Now again, I'll pick up on one of them. Verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Like sharing with, with people who are in need, especially the Lord's people, we, we hear that a lot wonderfully, importantly so. Um, when we see someone in need, we care for them. That's what we're about. But what about hospitality? Why should that make the list? Ange actually did mention it in the little blurb that he gave before about what it means for us to be a loving community. But why should that make the list? When I think of hospitality, I immediately am going to like hospitality venues, you know, maybe because of the COVID, all the, all the restrictions, that kind of thing. Or you're thinking about people coming to your house, having your friends and your family over and you're being hospitable to them. And that's certainly hospitality. But hospitality extends far beyond those who are closest to you. Far beyond that. Hospitality in its essence is about using your money, about using your time, and especially about using your space for those who need it. For the new person, for the traveler, for the outcast, for the one that you're not that close with, for the itinerant Christian missionary, whoever it may be. And especially when we do that for those who are marginalized and needy in our society, that is just one of the most beautiful and potentially wonderful expressions of Christian community. So how is it that we, you and I, can practice and bolster our hospitality? It can be like what Ange mentioned before, inviting someone over your home who you wouldn't usually, a new person or someone who you just have, you, you know could, um, appreci- would appreciate that. Maybe it's offering a spare bed for someone who needs it. One of my Bible college lecturers this week, there was one of the students, uh, they live far away, two hours, and they have a night class, so they don't get home to close to midnight. And he just said, oh, look, I live in Sydney, feel free to um, stay at my house overnight. Simple thing. But it also could be about that next step. There's things like those uh, who uh, need emergency housing for domestic violence, domestic family violence, who need a place to stay for the night. Maybe you could use your room for that. Now, hospitality, it can take so many forms. But at its heart, it's about sacrificing your time, your money, and your space for another person. An absolutely beautiful way of expressing loving community. And as we come back to this passage, and like in light of all those kind of things that we've explored, it can be summarized that way. 
A loving community is others-focused and it is Christ-driven. That's what a loving community is. Christians are focused on love for one another, but where that originates, where that starts from, is our relationship with Christ. Our identity in Christ, that's the driver. That's the motivation. That's the fuel. That's the reason for the lifestyle to seek to love others. And that is so important. That has to come first. Because if that doesn't come first and we just try to be lover-centered, love-centered without Christ, we're going to be in trouble real quick. Because there are so many moments where we're not going to want to do it. Where it is really hard. Where we don't get affirmed. Where we don't see results. And when those kind of things happen, the natural inclination is to want to be to stop. And then perhaps... Worse than that, we may begin to resent it, resent caring for others, resent perhaps even God. If our identity is not in Christ, then love for others doesn't have that strong foundation, doesn't have that reason to continue. That is why it's so important that that comes first. Our love for God is expressed in love to others. And as you like look at these verses, can you just, just imagine what it would be like? And we've done this in the past. We're doing it in part in the present. We want to continue to do it. But imagine all of us doing these kind of things together. We would be this wonderful, altogether loving community, others-centered and Christ-driven, continually authentic and outward. And that's going to be seeing other people flourish seeing this beautiful community that's forgiving and gracious, when I'm seeking you to flourish, you're seeking me to flourish, or one another, that's us together doing it when we are concerned for the other person. And then our role is to live that out empowered by the Holy Spirit himself. He is the one who enables us to use our gifts, our times, our passions for the glory of God and the blessing of another person. And that is a beautiful vision. However, there is a challenge as we go and do that. And, and perhaps there may be a, a bit of a warning as well. Because as we hold up the beautiful vision of the church, and we want it, there's nothing bad about these things. It's hard for us as an individual in a sense, but there's a beautiful vision that comes as a result of what God has called us to. But we need to remember we're not living in the perfected state yet. Christ hasn't returned and we need to balance these kind of earth, these heavenly aspirations with the earthly reality. Because relationships are not perfect. We are sinful. There's corruption. There's evil still at work. And we live in this in-between time. And crafting, cultivating this loving community when things don't go well, when, when things are not reciprocated, when it's hard, that is the soul-crafting work. And we need to remember to keep our focus. Otherwise, we can become askew. There was this one quote by Bonhoeffer in one of his most famous writings in life uh, together. And he said this, which speaks to this danger. He said, Those who love their dream of Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Now, what he's saying there is don't love your dream of the church over the church. 
The church are the people. We love the people. We aspire to the vision, but we're about the people. We deeply care for one another. And it is easy to be disheartened when things are not going well. And then we look at this vision and go, oh, we're not there. And we get angry. We get frustrated. We may get angry at a particular individual, get upset at ourselves, whatever it may be. But we need to remember that the whole ethic of what Christ, what God is calling us to do, is actually to love the other. And the vision will flow from that. As we step into every situation, no matter how irritating, painful it it may be, we continue to walk in step with the Holy Spirit as he calls us to his work. And as I, as I thought about that this week and wrestled through lots of different things of this passage and what it meant for myself and for us, is that I realized that this is calling us to something very uncomfortable. This is actually calling us to something that's greatly inconvenient. It's calling us to great sacrifice. And it's going to take a lot of time and work. Now, there's a lot of beauty that comes from living and experiencing this community. But to actually get there, to actually be a part of it, is going to put us in places which are inconvenient, places where we don't necessarily want to be. Because these practices in Romans chapter 12, they're not natural. We're not just naturally going to do these things. That's why Christ had to come to redeem us and then to give us the Holy Spirit so we can live this thing out. It's things like it's turning up to home group. It's turning up for a friend. It's listening to the person that we may be a bit sick of the conversation that we're having with, but it's loving them. It's connecting with others and using our money, using our time, using our space, as we said before. Sometimes that is greatly inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's sacrificial. But that's where the hard work and where the good um, outcomes flow. And we have to also remember it doesn't happen overnight. These things are going to take time. And it made me think of this tomato vine that uh, my wife and I just planted. And we've been getting our green thumbs out recently. And we planted this small tomato vine. And it has just flourished. It's gone crazy. We're getting tomatoes all the time. But to get tomatoes to come all the time is hard work. Like we're weeding the thing, we're spraying it with stuff so the bugs don't come, we're stopping rats coming to eat the tomatoes. Like it's hard work, it's messy. Um, and it takes time. It's taken months to get to this point. But when the fruit comes and the kids go up and they eat the fruit, they eat the tomatoes, it is such a delight. But then as we eat them, we know we did really not much to make it grow. God is the one who made that tomato plant grow. And for us in Christian community, that is the same for us. We labor, we toil, we care, we get amongst the mess, we seek to love one another, we realize we'll take time, but God is the one who brings the growth. And we can always give him great glory uh, for that. To be a loving community, that is who we are. That is who you and I, us, together, who we're created and made to be. Jesus said the world, everyone else outside in in the neighborhood, us as well. We're going to know we're Christ's disciples by the way that we love one another. We're called to be a loving community that is other-centered and Christ-driven. And when we do that, that's going to be a wonderful blessing to us and bring great glory to our God. Because 
It's going to be a glory that isn't sung, that isn't spoken. It is seen. It is experienced. Something that is tangible, something that is praiseworthy in its nature. And God is going to get incredible glory from the way that we love one another and are together in loving community. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much that you've redeemed us. We thank you you created us and then you, you didn't leave us go. But you sent Christ and that now we can be a new creation by having faith in him. Father, we ask together that you strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to live out this loving community that you've called us to. We need your help. We know it's going to take time. We're not, we know we're not even going to experience it in its full until you come again. So please help us to labor on in the meantime. And we ask that you get great glory and that we experience the blessing as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.